All right. <clears throat> I want you to listen in close. Get get up close to your phone. If you if you're wearing headphones, stick them deeper in your ears. Get them in your canals. Get them pounding on that eardrum so that you can listen to this. All right. Sh- sh- shut up. Listen. You hear that? Probably not. I was just looking at the levels and it went completely dead, so you probably couldn't hear it. But that's the sound of the ocean. That's the sound of waves crashing upon the rocks. That's the sound of tides coming in and out as the moon switches phases. Um, how about it's a? How about it's uh The moon is a teenager, and he's like, "It's not a phase, mom," and uh. It is just a fit. You know what I'm saying? That could be something good for, like, the New Yorker. Not even the New Yorker. That could be something good for USA Today. You know? I mean, if you, it would be good for if you made the cartoon yourself and you went to the grocery store and slipped it into issues of USA Today yourself. And then, you know, just sort of, like, clamped it between the pages so that they would think that's part of the magazine. And then you put your Instagram in there, and that's how you get your business off the ground. And I like that. Um... How about it's that? But no, what you were listening to is is the ocean. Because I'm up here in Cape Cod. I've been here a while now. Hold on. And, you know, when you listen to the ocean, you don't get to hear. It's like, it's that sweet sound of when you hold a conch shell to your ear. Because your mom is like, no, if you listen to this shell, you can hear the ocean. Because the sound and the energy of the sea is trapped inside of it. Um, and you're 11 years old. And you're like, that's there's no way. It doesn't make any sense. And she's like, go ahead, give it a shot. And so you grab this this shell that's been sitting on the mantle for 11 years um, and hasn't seen an ocean in forever. And you hold it up to your ear and you stare at your mom and your dad and their family friends. And they're waiting for your reaction. And you just listen into that shell and you hear... And you're like, what is this sorcery? That is literally the, they kept the ocean in here. And part of you is worried because it's like, we should bring it back. Like we got part of the ocean in this shell. We should bring it back to where it originally was because you don't want to steal the ocean from itself. You know, well, I don't know. There's a lot of it. You could take some for yourself. I think it's stupid that you can't like, you know, when you go to another country and maybe you wanted to bring like a piece of the dirt back, like the soil, to uh, to home or something like that. And you never do it because someone's always like, "No, you you can't. Like it's illegal." And you're like, "Why?" And it's like because of the diseases in the dirt. They you know they can't be transferring dirt from one continent to another because it could fuck up the ecosystem. And I'm like, really? There's dirt police at the airport. There's dirt dogs whose job it is to come and sniff your mason jar and be like, "This isn't. This is foreign soil." You know, I can smell the, 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 the ammonium in, in the soil and it's not our ammonium. It's not our American, uh, pesticides, you know? Um, I think that's stupid. I think you should be allowed to bring whatever dirt you want, wherever you want, because it's all the same thing, right? Like there's no difference between Canadian dirt and American dirt, except that there's a fake line between us, you know? And the dirt doesn't know. Dirt goes across all the time. Dirt will get on a on the tire of a truck and cross, you know, across borders no problem. Um, and you don't see fucking you know millions of, of fauna dying out in in the in the woods of upstate New York because you know some Tim Hortons truck brought down you know a couple plates of fucking. I don't know. What do they even sell at Tim Hortons? Coffee? I think Tim Tim Hortons is like Dunkin' Donuts. But and they're like and then they're like who the fuck is Tim Horton you know who's that and why did he you know what's his deal <sighs> that's the most I know about Canada is Tim Hortons and I know that when that that all their money is plastic and thus fake and of lesser value um, and so the people are of lesser value I have a friend from high school who moved to Montreal. And I think part of her wanted to go because she used to be there. She like like she I don't know. It's like she like grew. She's like one of those people who's like, yeah, I'm I'm Canadian. It's like you spent your first two years of life there, and you don't remember a thing about it except that you know. Like she's like one of the uh, well, <laughs> I think she's one of those people. I might be totally wrong. I have a couple different friends who are who claim to be from other places just because they were there for their youngest years of life. But listen, my youngest years of life. I had I had a friend the other day. 
be like, yeah, I'm from Queens. And I'm like, what, you're from Queens? I'm like, he's like, yeah, no, I was there till I was four years old. And I'm like, really? Were you out in the streets of Queens? Were you going down, you know, were you were you taking the train over to Russ and Daughters on 14th Street? You know, were you, were you going down to the creek in the cave when you were three years old? Were you a real queen? Were you the king of Queens when you were three years old? Answer me firmly. Answer me firmly and, and realistically. Were you king, Kevin James's king of Queens when you were an infant toddling? You were toddling around, swaying from side to side, trying to make it from one parent's arms to the other in hopes that you wouldn't fall and crack your head on the shag carpeting from 2001, you know? Could you see 9-11 from Queens or what? Could you? You probably couldn't now because it's over, but back then you might have been able to. I should start calling people and ask ask where they were on 9-11. And the good thing about that would be that most of my friends have no idea where the fuck they were because uh, we were too young. I don't remember where I was on 9-11. I think I've talked about this on the podcast about I was in school and, you know, I started drawing pictures of 9-11 later on. And, but a lot of kids started doing it because, you know... We were just watching it on the news, and that was the only way we knew how to process what we were seeing is by, you know, taking free draw time to make the Twin Towers being collapsed by some terrorists. But I didn't understand – I don't know. The, or one of the earliest memories I actually have is uh, being at this – pro. my parents took me to a protest in New York City, and I think we were we were like – Marching on the sidewalk down, it's, I think we're on like Central Park West or something like that, because I'm pretty sure that we were standing right next to Central Park. And I'm like two years old, and I'm standing, or I'm sitting on my, my dad's shoulders, chanting, no blood for oil, no blood for oil. <laughs> I'm a baby, I'm an infant, I have no idea what that means. Um, I think I had some, I, I knew what blood was, I had an idea of what blood was. Um, I didn't know why... And I understood that, you know, it seemed like blood was not – we shouldn't be giving blood for anything. I, I got that. It's like, oh, blood is very valuable. Let's keep that. And oil is clearly less valuable. But I didn't, I didn't understand what the context was at all. I was, I was literally an infant. Um, but, yeah, I'm a bit of an activist, you could say, um, because my parents took me to that one protest, and I haven't been to any others since. Um, I really appreciate my mom for having never worn or made a pussy hat. Because um, she, you know, she doesn't go with trends. She's a, she's a trailblazer in a way. So when everyone was going one direction, she decided to go the other. Not to say she supports her or even has any sort of sympathy and anything but outright disdain for the current administration. But, you know, she was tired and she didn't want to go down to D.C. That's far. You know, whenever people go down to D.C. for a specific event, they leave with bad stories. <laughs> There's so many people I know who are like, yeah, I went to D.C. for the Obama inauguration. And I'm like, really? What was it like? And it's like, well, we waited in the cold and uh, it was cold for a long time. And then we're on the sidewalk where it was cold. And then we went into the subway. Um, where it was also really cold, and uh, then we never actually got out of the subway, and we never made it to the inauguration. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, you really got to witness history, didn't you? You really got to be within 10 square miles of something important happening, huh? Um, you know, going to D.C., don't go. If there's a specific event that you want to go to, um, just stay home. I hope that was probably really loud. If there's a specific event you want to go to, stay home. Don't go to DC. It's going to be too crowded. Um, you're not going to find a hotel. And if you do, it'll be like, you'll be, you know, in the same room or like you'll be one of those like adjoined rooms and the people in the next room are like a bunch of like right wing Nazis, you know? And is that really an experience you want to have? Sit at your house, um, you know, be a keyboard. What is it called? A keyboard activist, something like that. Um, be, you know, be an armchair, uh, political pundit, you know, don't really offer much in terms of opinion or, or education, but have vehement opinions on things without really understanding the issues and, uh, criticize and judge others who don't share your opinion. Um, because because, you know, cause that threatens your existence as a person because, you know, you've really made this one of the building blocks of your personality. So if you're just gonna, you know, give up on your opinions, literally what else do you have? You have 
absolutely nothing. If you can't, you know, somehow compare the ending to Breaking Bad to uh, the inauguration of, of President Donald Trump, or if you can't, it, what else, you know, if you can't, you know, criticize a 15-year-old online for, you know, having an Obama poster in his room, then who the fuck are you, you know? If you can't bully journalists from the New York Times with your Twitter account and, you know, accuse them of being fascists because they're not writing about your specific state Senate candidate, then you have nothing to offer the world. And you might as well move back to Pennsylvania and, like, sit in your little room in Lancaster and stare out the window at the fucking, you know, Amish people while they line up by the by the woods and just sort of observe you, you know? Did anyone see that TikTok? It was horrifying. There was a TikTok and it's these kids fucking just you know, they're playing ball in the in the in the driveway, dunking, shooting threes, layups, all sorts of things. And then the camera pans over and over to like the tree line and there's just like eighteen Amish children just standing there motionless, not saying anything, just being like, Wow, look how the other side lives, you know. They can ball. We can't ball. Amish people can ball, right? Like you, if you if you got like you know, it doesn't. Basketball hoops don't take electricity. They don't take, and you know, I mean, and you can pump up a ball without the electric pumper. You can just get one of those bike pumps and do it that way. Bring basketball to the Amish. That's what I'm saying. Is I'm gonna start a GoFundMe, and it's to buy a bunch of basketball hoops, a bunch of shitty plastic basketball hoops with the backboard almost cracked. And uh, I think we should ship them to Pennsylvania where the Amish are. And that way, oh, hold on, I have to stop my, uh, I have to stop my fasting timer. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, I've been, you wouldn't know this. uh, And no one would know this because no one's listening. Um, But I've been doing intermittent fasting and I just reached six days in a row, which means, yeah, I got a frosty. (laughs) <laughs> um, all right, so I'm using this app. It's called Fastic, um, and basically what it is, it's it's just a way of keeping track of of your thing, you know, keeping track of, of how you uh, what the fuck am I saying? Oh, keeping keeping track of of your of your intermittent fasting. And the reason I'm doing intermittent fasting is because I want to lose weight. And the reason I want to lose weight is because I've always wanted to lose weight. But the thing that sucks about now is that sometimes you look back at old pictures of yourself where you felt terrible about your body and you realize that it wasn't actually that bad, but that now you actually are pretty bad. Like literally I, I tweeted this the other day. I was like, you know, fondly remembering being slightly less less obese. You know, those were truly the days. Um I sent my my friend sent a Snapchat to me the other day, like one of those memory things. It was like two years ago today, and it's him filming me playing God of War on my couch, and uh, I I looked great, <laughs> but I remember feeling awful because I remember him showing me that video when he took it and looking at it and being like, "Oh my god, that's the worst video I've ever seen." You know, like I've never looked worse in my life, and now I look back at that video, and I'm like, "Oh, that wasn't so bad." And you know you could say that this is just a this is a, a mental uh, thing that you need to get over, and that this isn't actually you know a, a physical condition. But you know I've stepped on a scale. I know the real deal. You know I know how I feel about myself. So I'm doing intermittent fasting. This isn't a this isn't supposed to be body positive. I don't want to. This isn't a body positive space. This is a bit. This is a body positive space in that you are totally free to hate yourself as much as you really do. You know, like you can, you can, if you, if anyone wants to come on this podcast and really just go off about how much they hate their bodies, this is going to be a very safe space for that. Um, and you know, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not going to fight you on it either. If you're like, you know, Hey, I hate my body and I want to fucking, you know, I wish I looked like Madison beer. Uh, I'm going to be like, yeah, I get it, man. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna push you in that direction. I'm not going to agree. I'm not going to offer up any sort of, uh, uh, you know, like criticism of you. I'm not, you know, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna push you further into your, into your uh, sadness. But, but if you have it, I'm not gonna say, oh no, because sometimes you'll say it's so annoying when fucking like you know, really fit, attractive people are like, you should just love yourself. I'm like, you have, you, you can speak from no experience because the thing that you're loving is so easy to love, you know, like you have no experience trying to love something that doesn't deserve it. <laughs> 
So shut up, you know? Stop telling me to love myself because, you know, you can look in them. You can eat, you know, fucking four plates of mozzarella cheese, of, mozza, of you know, mozzarella sticks at, you know, 11 p.m., wake up the next morning and have, and have lost three pounds, you know? Like, so you don't get to fucking chime in here. You need to shut up and, you know, look pretty and don't say a word, okay? Um... So that's what this podcast is going to be, is that this is going to be a very body positive space in the sense that you are free to self-loathe. Um, you know, so whoever wants to call in, I wish I could get callers. I guess I could I could set up a, uh, I mean, no one would call is the problem. I would be the first radio host to be like, instead of being like, oh, we're getting a call, it's like, let's call a random person. I could start doing that. I could start doing prank calls. I don't know. Prank calls are kind of lame, you know. There, there are versions of them that are cool, like Longmont Potion Castle. That's a real thing. That's a real guy, a real person I've, I know of. I'm not intimately familiar with his work, but uh, he basically he does these, these prank phone calls um, where he will he just like modulates his voice a lot, and he's, they're like super weird. It's kind of like if Eric Andre and Daft Punk did, uh, did, a, did a prank phone call together. Um, and it's kind of cool. You know, so he's actually good at them, but most of them, like I saw on Comedy Central, Central, they brought back the show Crank Yankers, which is a show from like 1984 about puppets doing prank phone calls. And I'm like, who, like, ugh, this is the death rattle of a of a TV network, you know? Like that that must have been like that was a real conversation in a boardroom somewhere at Comedy Central, where one 45 year old guy in a suit and you know. Who literally just came back from like coloring his hair to prevent that from to prevent himself from going gray naturally as he should pitches you know like hey do you remember when we were in all in college and that show Crank Yankers was on TV and we were all you know high off our fucking minds and uh, we all laughed at that show ten times what if we spent eight million dollars bringing that show back and you know he looked around at the boardroom and he looked at the bowl of m&ms in the center of the of the long table and he's you know he stared at the at the one woman at the end of the table who they chose for you know for reasons for for optical reasons and uh she has her head in her in her hands and she's you know she's been contemplating you know handing in a resignation for months now um and this is probably the last straw for her but then he looks around at the rest of the people who look exactly like him and they all go oh that's a good idea you know this is great because let's capitalize on nostalgia which by the way we got to get rid of nostalgia it's over man you know if you missed the 90s, shut up. There was nothing cool about the 90s. The ni- look at what they wore. Look at them. School mass shooting started in 19 in the 90s. Is that what you liked about them? Is that what you thought was cool about the 90s? Was that it was the foreshadowing for the most, you know, deadly epidemic in American history up until 2 months ago, you know, like what the fuck? Is that what you loved about the 90s? Shut up about the 90s and even shut up more about the early 2000s. That's the thing is like People have gotten past the 90s. People, there is a sort of, you know, healthy disdain for 90s nostalgia. But it was only, you know, it was only a symptom of a larger disease because then it was replaced by early 2000s nostalgia, which personally I can relate to more. You know, Drake and Josh, that's like the only one. Drake and Josh, uh, fucking Cyber Chase, uh, what, Moon Shoes. You know uh, the that 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 share that Shirley Temple ad. These are all you know. These are all items. These are all artifacts of growing up in the early two thousands. And people are really uh, you know. There's sort of a, a, a renewed adoration for those things. But we we can't we can't let them in. They're trying to Trojan horse the nostalgia wave in by doing things that we by 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 remembering things that we do like. And we have to remember that it's fake. It's not real. And it's ultimately going to be. be you know, it's going to become a cultural decay because if we become obsessed with, you know, the cultural, the culture of a bygone era, what does that say about our, our current culture? It says it's not good enough. And then, you know, what's going to happen in 20 years, we're going to be looking back on 2019 and 2020 as the good old days, because, you know, in 2040, we'll all be walking around with guns and, you know, hazmat suits. And, you know, there's going to be a roving gang of bandits who are, you know, stealing people's iPhones and dismantling them and burning them and melting down, mel- melting them down for the copper and, and giving them to a warlord who owns the province of, 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 of Georgetown, DC, you know? Uh, so 
We can't let nostalgia get the best of us. I'm sorry I keep stopping to sip my coffee, but in all honesty, this is the this is the, these are the first calories that I've had today, which is another thing that sucks about intermittent fasting, is that the only things you can have are um, water, tea, and black coffee. You can't even do zero calorie sweetener because the whole idea is about intermittent fasting is that this is becoming a fasting podcast, by the way. Um, the whole idea is that you, if you go long enough without consuming any calories, your body just like turns to the fat and says like, all right, this is all we have to burn. But if you have any calories in between them, even like healthy calories, even tiny amounts of calories, it'll just keep going. It won't go into that mode. So you need to have literally nothing for it to go into that mode. And you know, it seems like it's the most difficult way to like control your portions and control what you eat. It seems like the greatest hurt to overcome, but for some reason, for me, it's not. Like if I if I just know that I can't walk into the kitchen, then I won't. Then 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 then, then that's a much easier thing to do as opposed to yeah, you can go eat what things you you can go eat things, but you just have to choose the right things. I'm like, what's the point? What I'm, what's the like? What I'm gonna go into the kitchen and eat some celery? Like why even bother? I might as well go outside. Go outside at that point. I might go take a shower for fun, even though I showered four hours ago. You know, like so. I I'd rather have the steadfast rule of saying no eating between these hours and these hours than, you know, giving me the decision of what to eat. The whole point, you know, and that should that's not going to work for everyone and nor should it because I'd rather have it just be me and I'd rather not feel part of a trend um, so that I can feel like a bigger person and not, you know, a corruptible little synth. Um, but it works for me. And the thing is, like... So what I'm doing is I'm doing eight, 8 and 16. So 8 hours a day I can eat, and the other 16 I can't eat anything, um, and I can't consume any calories. And I know that sounds like a lot, kind of, but the thing is, like, first of all, let's say you divide the day into thirds, right? 8, 8, and 8. So there's 8 of them that you can eat, um, and then there's 8 of them that you're sleeping, because you do it overnight, and then there's eight of them where you can't eat. So you're really only dealing with eight hours a day that you can't eat, and it's generally you want to keep it later in the day so that you know, so that if you eat earlier in the day, then your body has more chance to burn it off. Ideally, the amount of time this is, I read a Harvard study about this. This is the first time I've been interested in anything health related at all. But I read a Harvard study about this where the best time to eat intermittent fasting wise is 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Um, I'm not a psycho, um, and I have you know a personality. And I have things that I like in the world, um, and I don't just like you know focus on getting my body fat percentage down to 0.03 percent. Um, so I'm not going to do that, and I'm going to. Lately, I've been eating from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., which is not so bad, you know. As long as you just don't eat after you know eight or nine, that's when it gets bad. Um, but you know, it's really been working for me. And uh, oh, I had something else that I wanted to say about it, but I'll remember it later. I feel like I've been losing my memory a lot. Like, bad. Like, I can feel my brain deteriorating. And it might be because I haven't been able to talk to anyone. And, you know, because sometimes I'll get calls from people being like, so what, are you writing? Are you working on stuff? And I'm like, I'm trying. But I, I work so much better and I can write so much better when I have a life that I can work from. You know, when I can be inspired by literally even staring at a stranger. You know, like I was at a pond the other day and uh, I saw a guy fishing out on the pond and he was by, him, by himself and he was smoking a cigar. And there, I don't think there was ever any fish in this pond. I don't, I've never heard of any fish in this pond. And it's well known that this is a dead pond and this guy is fishing. And so I'm like, okay, so here's a guy, you know, fishing in a pond that has no fish, smoking a cigar, passing the time. That's an interesting concept, you know. What's his life like? Does he know there's no fish in there? And is it just, you know, is he losing his mind and he's forgetting? Um, or does he have, like, this, like, secret hope that there is? Maybe there's one fish in there that he's always wanted to catch since he was a young boy and he's been going there every day even though his wife tells him, like, get, you know, go get a job, stop. Stop going to the pond and trying to catch that one carp that you've been looking for your entire life. But he's still that, you know. So you, you know, just by seeing that one guy, ideas can start to spin off, right? But when you can't see things and when you can't do things, when you can't experience any form of life, then you have nothing to work off of because, like, you have to just come up with everything from nothing. And I'm not good at coming up with stuff from nothing. Um, and even when I'm doing this podcast, I have to. Uh, uh, I have to listen to I'm basically just working off the last thing I said You know what I'm saying <sighs> So yeah That's what's been hard lately Is uh, witnessing my own Mental deterioration 
Um, but you know, you're going to get there too. You you might be thinking, Oh, this is bad thing for Will. I hope, I hope this is bad thing for Will. This is a bad thing for Will, but it'll be a bad thing for you too. Um, that's going to be a really hard day, which is why I think getting a concussion would be the worst possible. I would hate that. Getting a concussion sucks because you can't even think. I have a friend who has a concussion. He knows about this podcast. There's a chance he'll listen to this. Sam, you have a concussion and that sucks. Um, that'd be really hard because I do all half of my value comes from being able to think about things more than half of it, you know? So if I can't do that and you know, a lot of people like, Oh, I I've said this to people and you know, they're like, Oh yeah. Yeah, no, totally. If I couldn't read novels, I don't know what I would do. It's like, shut up. I'm not reading. Reading is dumb and no one should do it. I'm talking about like consuming content. I'm talking about what I was doing before, you know, just for just freewheeling your thoughts about something. I'm talking about staring at a blade of grass and, you know, figuring out a way to relate it to the worst parts of the Reagan administration. I'm talking about free association in your brain, but you can't do that if you have a constant pounding headache. But he's managed to do it. He's a very smart guy. He thinks quick. He acts quick and he comes quick. <laughs> you know, he he's that kind of guy, and he can do it without. Um, he can do it without. He can do it with a concussion, um, and that's why uh, I got him a. It'd be pretty cool to hold on one second. That's why I got him a Make a Wish Foundation thing. He's not terminal at all. He's gonna be fine. It's really probably not going to have that great an effect on his long-term health, aside from the fact that his head hurts. But I got him a -a Make-A-Wish just because I thought it'd be funny. That'd be a pretty good bit, is if your friend ends up in the hospital for, like, breaking his leg, and then you you call the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and (laughs) the doctors are like, yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be out of here, like, tomorrow. We just got to, you know, make sure that there's no internal bleeding. And then you just walk in with Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans. <laughs> He's like, what the fuck? And you're like, yeah, you know, this is what I thought you would want. <laughs> and that, and that's how he knows it's over. So that's what I did for my friend Sam, is I got him his... I wonder what Sam's make-a-wish would be. That's a good question that I should call people and ask. Is like, hey, if you were terminally ill, what would your make-a-wish be? Um, I think... Mine would be, uh, damn. That's the thing. It's like the Make-A-Wish thing is like it's. There's always the constraints of the fact that you're going to die, you know, because it can't be like, it can't be, you know, oh, I. It's not. It can't be anything you want in the world. It has to be anything you want. Anything you want as a dying person, you know. Like you can't. You can't even really travel abroad too much because you can't be that far from the hospital where you're being treated. You can't do anything that would take more than three months because you're going to be dead in three months, you know? It needs to be something, like, relatively superficial. So it would be, like, that's why everyone's like, I want to meet a celebrity. Or, you know, I want to go see The Ellen Show. Which, imagine going to see The Ellen Show as your Make-A-Wish Foundation. You can, those tickets are free. Those are free tickets. And you waste your Make-A-Wish on going to see a free show and maybe she knows that you're there and she brings you backstage and she says, you know, something insulting about your shoes. And you're like, I can't walk, Ellen. I spent my greatest wish ever to go sit in the back row of this studio in Burbank. This is the worst decision I've ever made. And you're mean, Ellen. You're a mean person. Ellen is mean. Ellen's famously mean, especially to her writers, which doesn't surprise me at all. She did that video in quarantine. She, one of those wonderful videos where, you know, a celebrity is like, you know who needs to, you know, people want to hear from me. People really want to know what I'm up to and how I think they can get through this. And the video is literally her sitting in her living room and her living room is like all glass walls. There's like a fern, like a, like the world's biggest fern behind her. And, you know, like a, like a coffee table made of like a like gold plate coffee table with you know some sort of like pretend rustic fountain pen in a cup you know and she's like i am struggling too and i'm like you're not struggling too ellen your house should be burned i hope your house is burned you know not ellen specifically because i actually think she's very funny she's she has a really good the stand her stand-up special is good she's a funny person which might be why she's an asshole and all these other, you know, talk shows. Uh, you know, you don't hear about Jimmy Fallon or James Corden or certain people being, like, terrible assholes. Like, maybe you hear one thing here and there, but 
you generally don't. But those people aren't funny at all. You know, like they're 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 extremely you know they're very charismatic and they're kind and cuddly. Um, but they've never made me laugh literally once. Um, whereas Ellen actually can make me laugh. And you know, if the trade off for that is that she's also a horrible human being, you know, everyone needs to do. You need to do your own calculation on that. You need to do your own cost benefit analysis on whether you should watch the Ellen special with the knowledge that she you know has probably thrown an eraser at a writer's head for pitching a joke she didn't like you know i don't know the california fires are very well placed in that sense you know it would be way worse if the california fires started in 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 you know oxnard that would suck the California fires started in East L.A., and not just because that's, you know, where I live. That's not – not currently, you know, not just because, like, that's more close to home. But if they started somewhere where people weren't as rich, that would be way worse. Um, and the, the outpouring of support for the fires in California as they burn down these billion-dollar estates is heartbreaking. We need to collectively not care because it's going to happen again. So the Santa Ana winds are going to come, the fires are going to start, and more million-dollar homes are going to burn to the ground. And I want the rest of us, the rest of the people in the city, in the world, in the country, to stay strong and not care. (laughs) You need to remain resilient. Don't offer sympathy because someone lost their McLaren. Don't, you know, uh, don't send well wishes to these families with, with private firefighters. Don't, you know, don't even start a hashtag for, you know, these celebrities who, who ship in water from Canada because it's too bad in L.A. and they, they, they use up too much for their gardens already. Don't feel bad for them. You know, I want this. This is going to this this fire season. We're going to we're going to root for the other side. <laughs> This spring, I want everyone, <laughs> I want everyone, the second that first flame goes up in the, in the Santa Ana Mountains, I want a bunch of people to get up there and just start like blowing it and throwing Tinder at it. And just, <laughs> and just kind of, but, but pushing it, but pushing it towards the mansions on the hill, you know? Like maybe what you do is you 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 do like you you do like one of those things that firefighters do where you where you actually burn a line to prevent it to keep to prevent it from spreading too much. So maybe what we do is we start the fire, burn a line between the fire and anyone of the lower income or any even like middle class upper middle class housing. Um, so it doesn't go that direction, and then you just really let it rip towards you know Kylie Jenner's house. I'm just saying it hasn't worked to be pro-firefighter and pro-not having these houses burned down because it happens every time, you know? And every time we pretend like, oh, how could this happen? What a tragedy. We need to change our tune. We need to be firmly on the side of the fire as long as it's taking out the right people because no one's fucking barely anyone's died oh someone's horses died i here's the, and that's going to be the tough part is that a lot of these rich people own ranches with pretty animals and we like those animals cuz they're cute and you know we don't want anything bad for them but these rich people don't actually give a shit about those animals. So if we are going to, you know, th- that's going to be a hard one battle. Is if you hate the rich people, you kind of got to hate their animals too, you know. And you got to do it because, you know, keep keep a lookout. You know, you have to. We have to remain. It's solidarity. You saw Billy Elliot. Do you remember the song Solidarity? Solidarity. Solidarity. Where there's fun and friendship. Well, what the fuck? You know, uh, that's actually the song from my upper... Hold on. Hold on. I'm getting, tan- getting tangented. We need to encourage the fires to move to the richer houses. Because eventually, if they keep getting burned down enough, the rich people are going to go somewhere else, right? And if they move to Jackson Hole and they all join Kanye West's, you know, uh, American militia movement, that's fine. You know? Go over there. Go be with Kanye West. Because then we, we'll just... Cause, and then maybe what we do is we, re, we, re, re, we reroute the Dakota Access Pipeline through their neighborhood so that it poisons the water supply. I'm not encouraging murder of, of rich people. I'm encouraging things to happen naturally 
that might not work out the best for them. I'm saying that we can look on the bright side. And the bright side of the Santa Ana fires is that it only affects rich people. And the bright side is even better than the dark side. (laughs) Which is, you know, whatever. It kills some, burns some, it gets fire in the air. Fire is supposed to be in there. That's how it works. We're not burning fossil fuels. We're burning bush. We're burning, you know, basically just like a useless ground that is only built upon by the coastal elites. So, yeah, that's just something I was thinking about is, you know, we should really, you know, because positivity, because if, if you guys know that I, one of my big messages is positivity. I'm like those influence, influencers. I'm like Amanda Cerny. I'm like Shay Carl. Because I think positivity is the secret to everything. And I think projecting your wishes upon the world is how you get things done. Um, so I think projecting the wish that, you know, John Hamm's $15 million estate with an elevator and a horse ranch and, a, you know, a pool for each one of his seven children from six different wives. Projecting that that place is burned to the ground is not in itself morally reprehensible it is only uh it's just one man's wish you know and that's going to be my book coming out where i really where i really go in on this topic where i really make the case for burning rich people's homes because it doesn't affect them they have here's the thing it doesn't affect them they have like 25 other houses across eight different continents they have an there's an extra continent for rich people You didn't know that? You think there's seven continents? There are eight continents. And the eighth one is for people with a with a with an evaluation with a a net worth above a billion dollars. It's called Oceania. It's in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Uh, they don't let poor people see it. You need to buy a rich person map, and that has it on there. It's shaped it's shaped like Jeffrey Epstein's head, you know? their lord and savior and all the billionaires whenever because you know it's always like anyone who's you've ever met who lives near a millionaire or is aware is it somehow in that circle even slightly it's always like oh they're never home they're always traveling really where are they traveling i don't know germany paris beijing you know toronto vancouver no they're not they're on a secret island in the middle of the pacific ocean where billionaires go to fuck your kids Okay, tell tell your children that. Let them know that that's the case, and let them know that if they bring that up in class, and the teacher says that their parents are crazy, that teacher is a member of the billionaire class and has been on the plane to the island and has 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 had sex with children and should be fired because they're a teacher. What I'm saying is we need to create. I was listening to this podcast yesterday. Here I go again, listening to talking about podcasts better than mine. I was listening to this podcast yesterday about the song Wind of Change by the Scorpions and how it was actually basically as a CIA psyop uh, that was, you know, partially the reason that the Berlin Wall came down. It was a way of, you know, of, of sowing, of sowing um, dissent in the Soviet ranks, right? So I was listening to this podcast and uh, fuck, what was I going to say? Oh my God, this is so annoying. <sighs> I hate that. This is what I'm talking about. My brain is losing its cells. Every time I forget something, I literally had a, I literally had a topic just now. God damn it. Every time this happens, it's like, it feels like I'm, you know, sucking a whole helium balloon and holding my breath for 30 seconds. You know, I feel like I didn't really suck much helium as a child. Um, I didn't really partake. I, it scared me. I thought, you know, I hope, what if my voice gets stuck like that? Like the way kid, you know, what the way parents would like, you know, tell you to not suck on your thumb by being like, you know, it'll make your teeth bend out. Or like, or if you're making a frowny face, or if you make a, a silly face, they'll say, you know, it'll get stuck like that. And then you get worried. I always, I was always worried that if I sucked a helium balloon, my voice would stay like that. Um, so I shouldn't be having these problems is what I'm saying. Because the only way you can become dumber is if you go to a birthday party and pop all the balloons and just 
right down. You just you just suck them right down. God damn it! I really had a good time. <sighs> Sometimes you you're about to make a good point, and your brain just fucking breaks in two pieces. Lobes, as you might say. It's weird that the brain has lobes and your ears have lobes. But your nose has nostrils. What's up with that? What's up with that? What's the deal with that? Brain's got lobes, ears got lobes. Stretching the lobes. You get your lobes pierced. Never get your brain pierced. Why don't you do that? That's Seinfeld. That's Seinfeld uh, defending himself in court. After having, you know... After dating a 17-year-old, which he did. Which he did. He dated a 17-year-old when he was like 40 years old. Um, because you're allowed to. When you're that famous and you're that rich, you go and pick your girlfriend up at school. And she says, what's on the, what's on the docket today? And you say, well, you have to go do your homework. And she says, no. And you say, all right, I'll get someone else to do it for you. And the rest of her life is that easy. It stays that way, <laughs> even after they break up, because she can. I mean, that girl is out there somewhere, so, and she knows that she dated Jerry Seinfeld when she was in high school, and she's. I hope she feels good about it. I hope she sees it. I hope she used she uses it to flex. It certainly wasn't a flex in high school. Were high schoolers really watching Seinfeld when that thing was out? I don't think so. I think Seinfeld was more of a of a late twenties show when it was going when it was on the air. I mean, it was still. I mean, it is on the air, but you know what I mean. I don't think high schoolers. I don't think if you walked into high school one day and you were like, "Hey guys, I got a new boyfriend," and your friends were like, "Oh my god, who is it?" and then you were like, "Have you ever seen Seinfeld on NBC?" I don't think they'd be like, "Whoa, that's so cool." I don't think they would think that's cool at all. I mean, that'd be like that would be like if you you know if you. We're in college, and you're like, "Hey, I have a I have a new girlfriend," and they're like, "Who is it?" And you're like, "Have you heard of Ghislaine Maxwell, the woman who helped Jeffrey Epstein groom literally thousands of children from the late '80s until a year ago? Do you know? Have you heard of her? She's part of the British elite. I'm dating her. That'd be pretty cool. Did Ghislaine Maxwell fuck kids, or was it just Epstein?" She must have tagged in here and there, right? <laughs> this is the part they're going to clip and play in court. When I'm charged, when I'm, when I'm charged for, I hope I never get charged with anything. Big fear of mine is going to court. I remember I had a, a creative writing class once, and I was talking to this girl, and she, uh, she was like, I don't know, she's probably 20 years old. And she was like, yeah, two years ago, I was, you know, driving on whatever street, and, uh, you know, the sun got in my eyes, and and then I bumped into this car in front of me. Not that hard, but then I got out, and the guy driving the car was really old, and it hurt his back, and uh, he was really mad, and he's been suing me ever since. I've been in a lawsuit for the past two years because I made a 0.5 millisecond glance away from the windshield because the sun was about to burn my cornea, you know, and I've been paying the price for two years, and I was like, wow, you're living my worst nightmare, which isn't a nice thing to say to anyone for any reason, to tell them that their reality is unimaginably terrible for yourself, but it was true, because imagine how stressful that would be. Imagine getting, Imagine being in class or working on an essay, and you get a call from a lawyer saying that you need to appear in court next week. And it's not going to be a big event. It's just going to be like a couple people. And it's going to be a court date to decide another court date. That'd be horrible. It'd be an awful way to spend your college career. Just constantly, you'd lose all of your hair. You would get so much acne. You would age 25 years in your underclassmen experience. And that would suck. You know? I hope she's okay wherever she is. I'm assuming she didn't, you know, because he was suing her for like $300,000 because of his spine. Oh, my spine. You hurt my spine. You bumped in my car and now I hurt my spine. Your spine was shot already, man. What were you going to do? Were you going up? Were you doing, you know, 
Were you doing sun pose? <laughs> I can't think of any fucking yoga poses. Ugh. Were you doing downward dog every morning? Were you fucking, you know, doing masonry work? Were you putting together a back deck? No, your spine is done. You don't need, no one past the age of 75 needs any use for their spine. In fact, they should start doing spine transplants and taking them from the elderly and giving them to people who could use it more. What I'm saying is if you're past 75 and you have a hunch and, you know, your spine kind of hurts, they sh- you should be legally mandated to go for a spine transplant. And they rip that thing out of you. They rip that thing out of you like they're gutting a fish. And you walk around after that like a fucking invertebrate. You're literally an invertebrate. And you leave the hospital on a gurney and you do the rest of your life on a gurney. And if they sit you up, you fold into little pieces like an accordion. That's what I think should happen. When you're over the age of 75, they take your spine from you and give it to someone who could use it more. There's so many people out there with scoliosis. There's all these TikTok girls with scoliosis, and their spines are going to be done by the time they're 35. Give them old people's spines. Because the spines are fine. The bones themselves are okay. The discs are all still, you know, in, in place or whatever. It's the muscles around them. It's the husk that the spine is keeping erect. That's the problem. You take a spine from an old person and shove it down the throat of a 14-year-old girl, she'll walk around like Usain Bolt, man, even if she has the worst scoliosis. So this podcast I've advocated for I've advocated for the California fires and I've advocated for taking spines from the elderly. And I've wondered what it was like to date Jerry Seinfeld. I think that's that really hits that covers all the bases. <sighs> Should I stop? I started a I started an anonymous Twitter account. Because I was done with, there's so many times where it's like, oh, it would be so funny to tweet this um, if it weren't for the fact that I would have to take responsibility for it, you know, because a lot of people who follow me on Twitter know me in real life, you know. So instead I started a fake Twitter account, not fake, a private Twitter account where I can tweet the things that I really want to tweet, you know. So yesterday I tweeted sex defender registry. I thought that was pretty funny. The sex defender registry. I mean, I don't really know what it is, but, you know, that's what it is. You know? Uh, What else did I tweet? Tony Hawk's pro-lifer. I thought that was pretty funny, too. You know? Because what if it's... You get it. Etsy is only fans for moms, correct? Little space before the question mark. It seems like that's proper etiquette. What else did I tweet? An eye for an eye, a dick for my ass. I think that's fun. This is good stuff. So the point is, I've been able to tweet the things that I've always wanted to. And I've been able to, I found a platform to say the things that I have often been criticized in real life for. And I'm fine saying them in real life. I'll say these things in real life. I make jokes like this in real life. You know, I'll, I'll incur those consequences. What I won't incur the consequences of are people privately seeing them and having their own reactions that I don't know about and having it recorded, having it screenshotable. That, that I don't like. I'll make a joke in front of people, you know, just hanging around and watch their faces contort. But at least then I know what's going on. At least I can gauge the room. You know, I could be like, okay, I know what I did wrong there. Or I know why you're wrong for not thinking that's funny. You know? I have a lot of that. A lot of times, sometimes I'll make a joke. And people won't laugh at it. And I will know that they're wrong. I'll know. Because then I'll make the same joke for someone who I consider funnier than them. And they'll laugh, and I'll be like, I fucking knew it. Plebeians. Plebeians, some of you people. All right, I guess I should go. I have to go. I should probably make some lunch. I have, some, I have a Caesar salad. I have a Caesar salad from last night sitting in the fridge.
And tonight I'm going to have fish with no butter. That's the kind of person I've become. That's what intermittent fasting has done for me, is that it's made me more conscious of what I eat. And that's the worst. I didn't want to be this person. But I do feel better. I have more energy. I feel better about myself. The other day someone took a picture of me, and I asked to see the picture. And that was a big stepping stone for me. Normally, if someone takes a picture of me, I say, point the phone, throw the phone in the lake. I never want to see it. And they're like, I'm going to post it. And I'm like, block me. Block me on Instagram because I never want to lay eyes on that picture. I'm okay with you posting it. Other people can see it because they're not going to come to my face and say, hey, you're ugly. They'll just think it privately. And it's the same problem. But I don't want to see it, you know. I guess it's kind of the exact opposite problem. When things I say, I want to know what people think. And I want to be there. I want to engage with it. But then with pictures of me, I want to forget that it ever happened. I haven't gone to therapy in a while. I quit when I went back to L.A. She was like, do you want to continue this on the phone? I'm like, are you crazy? Spending $160 a week to talk to you so that you can go, mm. My therapist was bad. She was bad. I liked her anyway, but she was bad. I was way, I would, I was way better at having therapy than she was at giving it. You know what I mean? Her questions were stupid. I mean, there's, there's the basis, how does that make you feel? Which is like a, te- a stereotypical question, but a necessary one. But she would say, th- you know, I would tell her about my issues with, with, with my body. And she would, she would do the thing of, you know, maybe it's not your body. Maybe it's your brain. Shut up. My only motivation for losing weight is self-loathe, self-loathing. I have no physical activities that I need to be in good shape for. I sit on my computer and write, or I, talk, I scream into this microphone. There's no real reason for me to be in shape, so I need to hold on to my self-hatred. Because if I don't have that, then it's game over. I'll be 400 pounds by the time I'm 30. I need this. Let me have this. So I have been going to her lately, and clearly, clearly I don't need to. <laughs> Bye-bye.